0: one in the front portion. And you'll find there, printed in the hymnals, the Small Catechism by Martin Luther. It starts off by looking at the Ten Commandments. For the next several weeks, we'll be going through a series where we look at each of the Ten Commandments uh, as recorded in the Small Catechism. Let's read the first two commandments responsively right now. The first commandment, You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. The second commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, practice witchcraft, lie, or deceive by his name. But call upon him in every trouble. Pray, praise, and give thanks. You may be seated. It's nothing personal, it's just business. Ba, 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 ba. That's what always happens after, right? It's never, you know it's nothing personal, it's just business, have a cupcake, right? The guys who say that line are not in the cupcake business. It's always like, no good guys ever say, it's nothing personal, it's just business, right? It's always some mafia guy before he uh, shoots somebody. And shooting somebody certainly does seem personal. uh, But why would they say it? Why would they try to, you know, diminish... The personalness of what's happening when they're about to kill a person. How on earth does it make it less bad to be murdered if it's not personal, if they're doing it for unrelated reasons? It sounds crazy. And yet, when it's personal, it is kind of worse. It's not kind of worse. It's absolutely worse. Uh, There was this uh, husband and wife, and uh, they were in the middle of divorce proceedings. Uh, It was... uh, It was not pleasant. He had uh, cheated on her. But it was very obvious that the two of them still loved each other. And there was maybe hope there of a reconciliation. I could see her, you know, moving in that direction. Uh, Until the video. Uh, Because there was a video of him cheating. And in it, obviously, there was the adultery, and that was bad. But she knew about that part. What actually was worse was that the whole time they were laughing at her. They were making fun of her, making comments about her. And it just made it more personal. It made, it was a betrayal before, but now it took this act of infidelity and it made it a really personal betrayal. It was just, it was a bridge too far for her. It killed That relationship, their marriage ended because of that. And nobody would look at her and say, you know, "How how could you break it off? I mean, he was clearly and obviously to blame. It being personal took something that was already really bad and made it even worse. It made it so that from our perspective, it could be unforgivable. It's fitting then that the first commandment that God gives in his list is the one that's the most serious. It's the most personal. And it's the one that we break the most often. It illuminates for us an exceedingly uncomfortable reality in our relationship with God That we show him the same kind of disrespect. That we show him the same kind of infidelity. And we throw at him in, in the same exact way as that unfaithful husband did to his wife. And that God has just as much right to end his relationship with us as she did. The first commandment reads... You shall have no other gods. Lo Elohim acherim. al That last part. You shall have no other gods. Al-panai. Literally translated. We lose some of the color when we don't literally translate that one. Al-panai. Translates out to unto my face. We aren't just having other gods and we're like putting them in line in front of them or having them, you know, sort of flit about inside of our heads in front of him. When we betray God, we're taking something and we're rubbing it in his face. Check out all these things, God, that I think are more important than you. It's an extensive list. This list is by no means exhaustive, God. There There are literally millions of things that I think are more important than you, the Almighty, my Creator. Let's take a look at what I've done today that I think is more important than you. Driving two miles per hour over the speed limit. More important than you. That 0.7 seconds that I saved myself, that was more important than you. Taking somebody's words, even their good words, and twisting them so that I can continue to uh, have preconceived notions about them, uh, view them negatively. That is more important than you. My bad relationship with them is more important than my good relationship with you. Doing what I want, when I want, with the person that I'm with. That's more important than you. The fantasies that I have in my head about somebody that I'm not with but would prefer to be with. Those are more important than you. And of course, when it comes to things better and more important than you, God, there's nothing out there that even begins to come close to how much more important I am than you. How much more I am my God than you are. We betray God. It's personal. It's in his face. And these are very deliberate, very direct acts of betrayal. The same God that Adam and Eve betrayed the Lord for is the God we betray him for. The same God Cain betrayed the Lord for is the God we betray him for. The same God Lot's wife betrayed the Lord for is the God we betray him for. The same God that David betrayed the Lord for is the one that we betray him for. The same God that Judas Iscariot betrayed the Lord for is the God that we betray him for over and over and over again every single day. The second commandment makes that last bit painfully obvious to us. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, we usually translate it. That last word, lashav. For vanity. We take God and we want him to be something for ourselves. We want him to be ourselves by either using his name when it shouldn't be used or not using it when we ought to use it. But even more to the point, when we do, it shows where we value our relationship with him. Especially where we value ourselves in conjunction with that relationship with him. We use it for vanity. We use it for vanity. Nothing. Make ourselves look better or cooler, feel better about ourselves or to fit in or to feel like we're not beholden to anybody else. We seize God's credentials as our own. All of these personal acts of betrayal. No matter how many times we've turned our back on God, betrayed him, and walked away from him, or mocked him with what we preferred to follow. Despite all of that, he has never abandoned us. On the cross, uh, Jesus did something very interesting. He actually quoted a psalm. Do you remember when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's uh, quoting a psalm of David, Psalm 22. Uh, David had this desperate plea. He was in terrible straits. He felt abandoned by the whole world. His life was in real danger. God had made all of these promises to him. And it seemed like none of them were going to be realized during this difficult, humiliating, pain part of his life. And so he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, God answered David's prayer at that time. Obviously, he was delivered, became king, had a flourishing nation rise up underneath him. But God's final answer to that prayer came a thousand years later in the most pointed, amazing way possible. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God says, I don't forsake you. I forsake my son instead of you. I forsake my beloved son, who's done nothing to deserve me turning my back on him. And I turn my back on him instead of on you. Rather than abandon David, rather than abandon any of us, God abandoned his only son, whom he loved. Rather than watch us die and fall eternally, God watched Jesus suffer the punishment we deserved, the punishment of hell as he bled on the cross, being abandoned by God to die in our place. Just like Adam and Eve hid from their betrayal, we try to hide from God. What is his response? He makes his home in our hearts he comes even closer to us we chose the fruits of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to eat to our damnation how does he respond he feeds us on christ's body and blood for our forgiveness we used his name for vanity and he gives it to us again for our good. In fact, he us, uh, encourages us to make use of his name uh, frequently in prayer. And there is, a, there is a tendency, I might call it a Lutheran tendency, uh, that we tend to compartmentalize prayer uh, a little bit. And there's benefits to that, right? Uh, it's good to be in the habit of praying before you eat, praying before bed, praying when you wake up uh, in the morning. Those are good habits to be in, praying during chapel. But sometimes I think that we forget that God's given us his name uh, to use in small situations, that he's given us his name to use uh, during the day, and we oftentimes don't practice it. We don't, we certainly don't do guided practice of it. So let's just, let's try to change that this morning just a little bit, and let's take 15 seconds to pray silently. We'll pray about two things, okay, for those 15 seconds, in fact, uh, for 15 seconds. First... Let's use God's name to pray a prayer of thanks that he sent someone who loves you, who's meaningful to you, and who built you up. We'll pray about that and that he hasn't left us alone. And then we'll use God's name to pray for someone that we know could use his love today, that could use his presence and support and strength today. Fifteen seconds. Let's join in prayer. God does some amazing things with those prayers. He answers them. That's amazing by itself. But the way in which He answers them is possibly just as amazing because He frequently sends you. He frequently sends us. He frequently uses His body to be the instrument with which He interacts with the world, to be the answer that He sends for prayers. Where we were once, Tremendous enemies of God's plan, resolutely dedicated to betraying that plan. Now he makes us a part of his plan. Any day that you can be the answer that God sends to your prayer for somebody else, that is a good day. And you have just prayed for two people. God's going to answer that prayer in his love. One way or another, God is going to answer the prayer that you just prayed for those two people. Perhaps today, you'd like the opportunity to be the answer that God sends to those prayers that you prayed. I thank God that he does send you to accomplish these important tasks in this world. But any love that we show Any prayers that we offer, any use of his name, any confidence that we have from his grace, any relief of forgiveness is rooted in the fact that although we betrayed him, he refused to abandon us that we love because he first loved us. And because of that, we will see the face of our God. Amen. Please rise and we'll join our hearts once more in prayer. Lord in heaven, we praise your name. Merciful God, you have met our betrayals with patience, our hate with love, and our sins with forgiveness. For Jesus' sake, continue on with us while we journey through this world. Restore us when we fall, and in the end, raise us up from death unto life with you in eternity. Hear us for Christ's sake. Amen.